The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. hard time deciding which song to play today. I think my all-time favorite is What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. But I want to focus today on the other one. My heart is filled with the love and joy, the peace of Jesus. This broadcast I've entitled, I'm Joyful in Your Hands, Jesus. I'm Joyful in Your Hands, Jesus. But let's look at that. I'm going to take you back today to the fourth chapter, the book of Hebrews. It gives us some very clear understandings. 
you, I think, have listened to this broadcast before. If you have, you will understand when I say to you, anything you claim to believe must be also fully connected with actions that match what your claim is about your beliefs. The great problem we have in America today in the apostate church is that the statements of belief and practice are not connected. They have been severed. We must come back to a new understanding of the gospel that it is in every manner practical, real, and it must be reflected in true actions, not in simply some intellectual, philosophic understanding. It must be in action. The way we treat each other, the way we treat Jesus, the way we treat ourselves. Now, this is not easy, and I will not pretend that what I'm going to say to you today will be comfortable or easy. It is accomplished only in the prayer closet, in the meditation on the word, and in the humbling of our hearts before Almighty God, and humbling of our hearts before our brothers and sisters. As you would know, having lived as a human person, We have many opinions, and we have many desires, none of which are helpful in the face of the cross of Jesus Christ. Remember, Romans 6 talks about we must be crucified with Christ. We must die that he could live, that he could live in us and through us by his spirit. Now, I know you know all of that. The problem is knowing it does not mean doing it. So this is going to be today an extremely hands-on do it. What's it look like? How does it work? In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, he is following up a statement that he has made that we need to understand very clearly. See, we see that they're, that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. They were not able to enter his rest because of unbelief. And then he opens, you understand, there were no chapter titles, there were no chapter headings, there were, there were no numbering of the passages of scripture. It was just continuous writing. So he's continuing that same thought that they were not able to enter, that is, the children of Israel, because of unbelief, 
and they died in the wilderness. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Now, if we were to go and look carefully at the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, we know that's all called the faith chapter. But there is a part missing in the faith chapter that we need to be clearly cognizant of. And that is that there must be a rhema word of God upon which to base our faith. Faith is not something that just floats out here in the ether. Faith is based on a very concrete and real word of the living God. Faith does not stand by itself. And there is man's faith and there is God's faith. And if chapter 11 is to be understood, all of the faith spoken of in the 11th chapter of Hebrews is God's faith not human faith. Human faith manufactures its own desires, and then based on those desires, we come up with affirmations of faith. The problem is that kind of faith is called witchcraft. It's where I gin up my faith, and then I expect to use that faith to manipulate the spirit realm to produce what I want. That's witchcraft. The faith that we must walk in is a rhema word of God, and based on that rhema word of God, we have God's faith to stand in to be absolutely certain that what he has spoken he will bring to pass. They had in chapter 4, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it, for indeed we have had the good news preached to us. They've had the rhema word given to them. Just as they also, but the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith, In those who heard it, there was no God faith functioning here. There was no God faith functioning here. So the modern church practices witchcraft, occultism, in their attempt to force the physical realm to look like they want it to look based on their own ginning up of their own positive thinking, which is dead end. It has to be God's faith, based on God's rhema word. Rhema simply means God breathed. God breathes his word to us, and we stand on that word. Now, when I was just a boy, God gave me a vision. 
and he showed me a place in Woodbridge where revival would come. He showed me standing in the pulpit preaching. Now, all of my life, I have carried that vision. And the fulfillment of that vision, he said, would not take place until the latter years of my life. I'm in the latter years of my life. And so I'm expecting now for God to do what he promised me he would do as a child. Now, he has showed me several times in vision since then as an adult that revival. So I have a rhema word from God that he spoke to me. And I now am exercising God faith to say, okay, God said it. I believe it. It will happen. I stand in that. It's not going to be based on on human effort. It's going to be based and will be fulfilled because it is the word of God and based on God faith and based on my utterly and totally and completely surrendering to the Lord Jesus. That's why I say I am joyfully in your hands, Jesus, because I know that he will bring about the harvest that he desires in this nation. Now, I want to press Hebrews, the fourth chapter, just a bit more. And then there are some very practical things I want to speak with you about. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For this is uh, chapter 4, verse 4. For he has said somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his work. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news or rhema words preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. And we know what that disobedience was. That disobedience was unbelief. Verse 7, He again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. You see, you have heard the gospel preached to you. You have, at varying levels, an intellectual understanding of the gospel. And those of you who've been listening to this broadcast for very long know that the gospel of Jesus Christ offers his blood to wash away all your sins, including the old the old nature of Adam. You know that you can walk without sin in this life. And if you don't believe that, 
you don't believe the scriptures. First John, the third chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the eighth chapter. It's not just in one place. It's all through the scriptures. Now, let's say you understand this. Now what? Well, now the, the action that must come with this understanding. You understand that the blood of Jesus is not as the blood of bulls and goats. It doesn't just cover over your sin. It opens a whole new way of life. And that whole new way of life is walking without sin in Jesus Christ. It's locative. It's, it's location. You move by the power of the Spirit of God from the human condition into a renewed place of righteousness in Jesus Christ. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can cleanse us. No legalistic system of strategies for success. That's human faith. It's not God faith. Now, now I know you know this, but please let me just say it because I need to say it to you. I have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. As a boy, I was taught that I am to be righteous by faith in Jesus and by hard works. And I used to say to my daddy, Daddy, I just can't be good. He'd say, try harder, Ray. He was wrong. He didn't understand the power and the work of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ delivers us from every bondage of sin. Every addiction is a demonic component. Let me say that again. Alcoholism is demonic. Drug addiction is demonic. Sex addiction, sex, I've got to be careful how I say this. Addiction is demonic. Food addiction is demonic. Now, it's connected with the human spirit and the human heart, but it is demonic. These things are all broken by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, Satan will come with every conceivable wickedness against us. He will stir up the enemy to come after us, to try to steal, to kill, to destroy. Now, you can fight all of this in the physical realm, but you must understand there is a very powerful spiritual element that will either destroy you or save you. What do I mean? Well, we're talking about the believer's place of rest, where you joyfully place yourself in the hands of Jesus, where you joyfully place yourself in the hands of Jesus, you enter his rest. 
again, as way of review, the word rest means to cease. It means a place of repose. Now, I was really tired yesterday. I went to bed about nine. That was very early for me, but I was exceedingly tired. I prepared for bed. I wear pajamas. I climbed under the covers. The covers warmed up, and I was off to sleep. A place of sleep, a place of bedroom, means a place of safety and comfort. There is a place of safety and comfort that we are invited to enter into in Jesus Christ where there is now no worry, there is no emergency, there is no hassle, there is only peace and joy, there is rest. This place of rest that we are invited to enter into is in Jesus Christ. It is when we make the decision that we will let go of all of our concerns. We will let go of all of our fighting for our rights. We will let go of any accusation that has come against us. Now, part of where I struggle is that my basic nature in the past, until Jesus changed me, was that I was a pleaser. I tried to keep everybody happy. I learned that I could not keep everybody happy, that people would get angry with me because I was keeping everybody happy. They wanted to fight. Well, I didn't want to fight. So often it would mean a separating. I still, at this point in my life, even though I've been made into a threshing sledge with sharp teeth, and that's what Jesus said he would make me into, I didn't want to be that, but I am that. A a truth teller, a, a confronter. I talk about everything. I don't walk in any hiddenness. And part of the struggle that I have, very honestly, is Everybody else's agenda, they want to push on me. They think I ought to say certain things. I ought to act in certain ways. I should reach out in certain ways. I should submit to them in certain ways. I'm not very good at any of that. I used to be. I'm not anymore. I want to be kind. I want to be courteous. I want to be loving. But I have placed myself by grace in the hands of Jesus Christ for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer. I have placed myself 
in the hands of Jesus Christ. So I'm not going to fight over money. I'm not going to fight over what you want. My attitude now is, look, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. I'm going to do so in a loving and courteous way. If you don't want me to talk to you about Jesus, you can leave, because as long as you're here, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. He's all I talk about. I don't talk about the football game. So a man says, hey, what'd you think of that game? I didn't watch it. What? You didn't watch the game? No, I was, I was thinking about Jesus. What are your thoughts about Jesus, brother? Well, I don't have thoughts about Jesus. Well, are you going to go to heaven or are you going to go to hell? Well, we're going to all go to heaven. No, we're not going to all go to heaven. That's not what the scriptures say. Let's talk about it. You see, entering into the rest of Jesus means I don't enter into anyone else's expectations for me except as in Jesus I have made an agreement with you that I will do such and such. Then I'm accountable to do what I have said to you I would do. And people try to get me to agree, will you do this, pastor? Will you do this? Well, I didn't agree to that. I'll pray about it. I'll listen to what the Lord tells me to do about it. But in the end, I will only do what the Holy Spirit leads me to do. And if you get angry at me about that, that's all right. You have the privilege of doing that. But I'll still be smiling at you, and I'll still be talking to you about Jesus. I no longer cut people off because they disagree with me. Instead, I deal with them in such a manner that they cut me off and run. And that's happened increasingly in my life. You see, when I am faced with a severe medical crisis or I'm faced with a severe relationship crisis, if I'm faced with an absolute impossibility, I am joyfully Jesus in your hands. I am joyfully in the hands of Jesus because I have entered his bedroom. And my Jesus will handle that. Or he'll give me very clear instruction about what I should do. What does a person look like who does not enter into the rest of Jesus? Well, they have a huge list of to-do things. They're stressed, they're concerned, 
They're agonizing over what the right thing to do would be for their gain or for their family's well-being. They have heart palpitations. They're in trouble. And most of us were made like cats with nine lives. We'll always find a way to land on our feet some way, but there will be peripheral damage in the battle. I can't live that way anymore. I used to always be so stressed. Tight. Physically tight. Stiff. A wonderful man by the name of Keith Miller, an author. You may have read some of his stuff. He said to me, Ray, why are you so abstract? And why are you so stiff? Loosen up, man. Well, I couldn't just loosen up. I was facing very difficult pastoral situations and and people who were upset with me. And how was I going to handle all this stress? He said to me, you're all stressed up and nowhere to go. That was true. I was. I was all stressed up and nowhere to go. No, when we enter into Jesus, we lay all of our burdens down. We roll our anxiety over upon Jesus. Remember I said at the beginning, this would take serious prayer time. And the battle that we are to fight is to enter into the rest of Jesus. Now, it seems strange that we would have to battle to enter his rest. The battle is our own heart. The battle is our own sense of what must happen. You know, I've talked about this before, but my car is very old. It's a 2009 And often when I'm driving it, I'll think, when's this car going to go? 200,000 miles on a Hyundai? They don't go that far. (laughs) And I don't have the money to buy a new one. So what am I going to do? And I could, I could become very concerned about this. What, what am I going to do about this car situation? Nothing, nothing. I don't own the car anymore. I gave it to Jesus. I don't have places I have to go. I have only places where Jesus sends me to go. I've entered his rest. I am joyfully in the hands of Jesus. So, I'm not stressed. I'm relaxed. I'm happy. The only thing that will disturb my happiness is when people come at me demanding, expecting, and there's still a part of me that doesn't want to disappoint, doesn't want to hurt them, doesn't want to... But soon I'm through that. 
after some hours of prayer, after listening to what the Lord wants to say to me, then I come through. That's what happened for me last night and this morning. And then as I was finally able to come through and just put everything in Jesus' hands, a great sense of his peace and his joy flooded my heart. And I said, Jesus, thank you. He is so gracious. He is so kind. I do have to tell you something that happened last night. I was, I was a bit stressed and I was hungry, but I didn't want to go anywhere and I didn't want to cook. My doorbell rang and it was a neighbor a single guy that I've spoken to about Jesus on numerous occasions. And he had a plate covered. He said, Pastor, have you had dinner yet? No. Well, here. This is extra. And he had a plate full of spaghetti and chicken. I laughed. I said, Jesus, you are so kind. You know, every part of my heart, there's no part of my heart that is hidden from Jesus. He knows about it all. Now, I want to read for you a passage. There's so much more we could talk about, but but let me, we're running out of time. Let me go to the book of Romans. I'm going to begin reading for you in chapter 8. I promise you we'll come back and do a verse by verse of 7 and 8. Verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Did you know God has sent his Spirit to intercede for you? If you can't get through that very difficult problem and, and you're just stymied and you say, you know what, I don't, I just don't know how to do, give it to Jesus and ask the Holy Spirit to Come and pray for you. This Romans 8.28 is so precious to me. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and for those who are called according to his purpose. So two very key items that you need to be aware of if you're going to enter into the rest of God. First, do you love the Lord? 
and you recognize that you have been called to enter into his rest according to his purpose, that he could accomplish in your life, in your marriage, in your family, what he wants to accomplish. And then notice verse 31. What then shall we say? If God is for us, who is against us? Please, when I am hidden in the bedroom of God, nobody can reach me except the Holy Spirit. Who can be against me when I'm hidden in Jesus? They can't even see me. I'm hidden in Jesus. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? God is not going to be stingy with you. You don't have to worry that you have to reach out and grab it now or it'll be forever gone. This is not a a scarcity time. This is a time of great abundance. This is a time of great abundance. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. That is, God is the one who makes righteous. He is the one who forgives all of the past mistakes and sins, and he's the one who makes you righteous. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes. Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also interceded for us, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. You see, the circumstances of your life should not control your feelings or your emotions. The the circumstances of your life should not steal your joy I have a dear brother who is suffering a great level of pain because of a back injury many years ago. Nerve pain. Eight, nine, and ten level. You know what? He's still joyful in the Lord. Well, sometimes I'm sure he gets grumpy. But his peace is in Jesus. Now, I want to tell you very straight, very clearly. My joy, your joy, cannot be based on our circumstances, on, on whether we are getting what we want. Most unhappiness in life comes 
because we're not getting what we think we want or someone else is getting what we want. That's not how you enter the rest of of God. That's not how you enter his bedroom. You enter the bedroom by saying, Jesus, you are enough for me. I don't need anything but you, Jesus, for you are my healer. You are my provider. You are my justifier. You are the one who has made me righteous. You are the one who gave me family. You are the one who gives me money. You are the one who provides a house, a car, or not. Whatever it is I lack or whatever it is I have, I take from the hand of Jesus and he carries me. And I am confident that the rhema words of God, the God-breathed words to my heart, he will fulfill. Maybe not the way I expect, not the way I'm looking for it even. The great danger we have in entering the rest of God is if we begin to tell Jesus what we want him to do. We are his servant. He is not our servant. (laughs) Do you hear me? Don't tell Jesus how he has to do something. Let him do what he knows is best for you. Let him tell you what to do. Trust him. He is the all-powerful God of heaven and earth. And you can trust him. He is faithful. He is faithful. My eyes are on Jesus. My eyes are on Jesus. And sometimes I get so entangled in my emotions or so entangled in the drama that's going on around me that I get caught in it and I begin to fret. Do you know what fretting means? It's a Hebrew word. It means to chafe and to rub raw. Sometimes my heart is rubbed raw. And then I have to go back in the prayer closet. And I have to wait on God. Now I know you know all that I've said to you today. This is not new. But it must be lived out. We must combine with what we know and what we believe with actions that reflect the reality of what we have said we believe. So don't tell me, I believe in Jesus, and then spend all of your time fretting because you're not getting what you want. That's a that's a testimony of darkness. So I want to ask you today, are you joyfully in the hands of Jesus? Do you know he loves you? Do you know he will never let you down? 
that whatever the circumstances are, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I didn't want my late wife to die of cancer. I cried out to the Lord. I cried out. I fasted. I prayed. And he took her. He had every right to take her, but I then went into a dark time of saying, can I trust Jesus? Can I even pray? The Lord brought me through that. And can I tell you, I'm closer to Jesus now than I've ever been, and I am more filled with his spirit now than I've ever been. And my late wife's death caused me to grow up and become a man. And to face the reality that my circumstances, my relationships, had to be entirely secondary to my joyfully being in the hands of Jesus. And that he would work out what he wanted in my life. Because it's not my life anymore. When you enter into the rest of Jesus, you belong to him. He is He is yours and you are his. And you hold intimate converse with Jesus. I can only tell you, the most wonderful part of my day, the most wonderful part of my life, is to hold converse with Jesus Christ, to talk with him, to listen to him, to meditate upon his word. He's everything to me. My Jesus, how I love thee. He is, he is everything. There is nothing to compare to our Jesus. And so I enter into his rest. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Demonic powers cannot separate you from Jesus. They can attack you. They can make your life miserable. They can bring crisis. But all of that is just the fodder you need to go into the prayer closet and give it to Jesus. You are not the one who is supposed to handle it. Powers. Powers that come against you. Angels, principalities, the threat of death, the threat of life. How am I going to manage? I can't do it. I might as well die. Everything that comes 
It cannot separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. So we go into the prayer closet. We lay it all out before him. And we joyfully entrust ourselves into his hands. The sickness, the hurt, the demands of others, the expectations of others, the lack of money, whatever it is, you go in and lay it down. You give it to Jesus. And you sleep like a baby. You rest in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I come having given you everything I possess, giving you my time, my energy, giving to you my hopes, my desires, my dreams. Jesus, I give you all of my friendships. I give you this radio ministry. I give you these precious ones who have listened today. Jesus, I give you my health, my physical body. I give to you, Jesus. I give you all things. And I joyfully place myself in your hands to do with me whatever you need to do that would bring about the glory of your name, who would build your kingdom. Lord, have your way. I am here for you, Jesus. And I am filled with your presence and your peace. And I trust you. And Lord, I now pray for every person who's listened to this broadcast. You know what each one is facing. They are facing pain and anguish in their body, in their soul, in their heart. They're facing financial lack. Or they're facing a great abundance of finances and don't know what to do with it. Lord, they're facing all of the crisis that comes with being human. Lord, I ask that right now they would lift their hands to you, Jesus, and they would place all of this in your hands, releasing it. We bind the power of Satan to come and oppress to cause disease and sickness and pain. We bind Satan in the name of Jesus. You said, by your stripes we are healed in Isaiah 53. You said in your word that you bear our pain. Lord, we come now and put everything in your hands. And we come to tell you, Jesus, that we love you. And we will hear your rhema word and we will enter your rest. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the 
National Prayer Chapel. I hope this has been helpful to you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, I also invite you to go to our our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Today is the first day of a new month, and last month's radio is entirely covered. Jesus did that by moving in your heart to give. And if he moves in your heart again this month, would you give? I can't tell you how much I appreciate you. And I thank Jesus that he has sent you to listen. And I pray the value you receive will be reflected by your being in heaven. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. If you've not subscribed, please subscribe. I did a broadcast last week saying, I don't think you'll like this. Well, people dropped off like flies. It's okay. If this is helpful, subscribe. Share it with friends, family. I can tell you now. Jesus loves you. And when you come to the end of your rope, tie a prayer knot and hang on and give yourself to Jesus and enter into his rest and he will carry you. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.